Welcome to Everything Trying to Kill You, your favorite podcast. We know, we know. How um, be each episode, else? yeah. Um, each episode, we analyze and make a bunch of jokes about your favorite horror movies. I am Mary. I'm Mary Kay. And today will be all about the movie you basically saw just by scrolling through your Twitter feed on Memorial Day weekend, (laughs) The Perfection. It is impossible to discuss it without spoiling it, and it's only an hour and a half long. So just go, or you can just read the Wikipedia page, because that is also an upsetting experience, and you'll probably spend an hour and a half just staring at the words in order, trying to understand (laughs) why that is a movie. Um, joining us today is a very special guest. I'm very starstruck. Yes. Please welcome the inimitable Ashley Blackwell. Ashley, tell us about yourself. Hi. Yay. Thank you for having me. Um, it's been a fun uh, podcast to listen to just when I'm, you know, putting my makeup on in the morning and getting ready for bed. Um, so I'm happy to be here. That's Thank our you. brand. <laughs> putting on makeup and going to bed. <laughs> yeah, that's our niche. <laughs> getting ready and getting unready. Yeah. yeah, both. That's what. I, that's my. That's prime <laughs> podcast time for me. Listening time. Mm. So, um, mm-hmm. I'm a writer from Philly. Uh, I loved horror movies all my life, and um, I was sick of seeing not seeing a lot of black girls being represented in the horror genre. So, I started this website um, with you know some cool resources and some women who've been like doing black women and horror stuff even before me. So I kind of. Brought it, I wanted to bring us all together with this website, and it turned into this bigger thing than I ever thought would I would ever happen ever with a website and being a blogger. And I'm really happy that people like it and enjoy it, and I want to continue to just really being that, like, you know, d- the kind of, like, person that can really help out um, other artists and stuff and get their work out there and talk to them and interview them and stuff. So that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And that's me. What is your What is your site called, Ashley? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I forget things. <laughs> um, it's called Graveyard Shift Sisters. Yay! Yeah, and we're going to link to it in the show notes so that everybody who listens can, if they're not already following you and starstruck, they can become that way. I don't get... Definitely go check it out. I don't get the starstruck stuff. I am the most awkward, most angry, most... uh, Person, normal person, you are all on brand for us. We're very excited about that. Those are our favorite qualities. (laughs) We love that. Um, well, yeah, no, so I, I was telling Ashley that I'm starstruck because I had been like a huge fan of hers on Twitter. I was already retweeting everything she ever posted and like reading everything she wrote and all excited about it. And when uh, we were trying to decide who to invite on, Mary Kay was like, well, what about Ashley Blackwell? And I was like, we're just, we're just going to like message <laughs> and just like see if she'd do it. Just like I hope that she would like us. <laughs> And Mary Kay had actually met her before, and she was like, "It's worth it. Like, like I'll just see if she's interested." And um, yeah, I I've, I was very. I took a shower this morning. That's how excited I was. <laughs> I did too. Yeah. I wanted it to look beautiful. <laughs> We're all remote, but we felt like we needed to be clean, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> just presentable, you know. At the DePaul Slashers conference, the pop culture conference in Chicago, I remember meeting you and being on the same it wasn't really a panel it was like a round table and just being like forgetting that I needed to talk <laughs> like, and I was just like yeah that's that's great um and then I remember yeah what exactly that more more of that yes and then watching horror noir and then your name came up and I was like holy shit I sat next to her, <laughs> I, sat next to her before. <laughs> I felt famous by association and then also like very small at the same time 
but yeah oh, we're yeah. super excited to have you thank you so much no, no thank you no um no the, the the pop culture conference was a lot of fun i was glad i was able to yeah. go um we won't get into the um whys of a convention that didn't happen that weekend that was supposed to happen that weekend so oh, and i'm dang. glad I, and i'm mm. glad i made the decision to go to chicago instead of prior so whew. so yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. that is yikes oh yeah. i don't like that yeah i listen i'm glad i trust my gut <laughs> like everyone was telling yeah. me they were just like no go to depaul everyone was saying no this is a better choice to make mm-hmm. even before we knew what was going on and i was just like mm-hmm. okay and then i scheduled all of that so i was relieved and i'm really happy that we got to meet and we did the panel the round table so mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a really cool conference. It was really fun. I like pop culture conferences the best because it's not a bunch of stuffy people. Can it's I? Like, yeah, we're all a bunch of um, nerds who know too much about so that specific topic. Exactly. Yeah. What? Okay. I, d- <clears throat> I <laughs> don't understand what a pop culture conference is. Like, okay, I understand the words in that order. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) What I'm asking is, what? Yeah. So, yeah. Who's going to explain So, like, what happens at a pop culture (laughs) conference? Like, what do you you plan? Like, how did... What? Like, okay, so other conferences, I get it. Like, even something that's very niche, the point of the conference is to, to discuss a specific topic. Mm-hmm. or like area of of knowledge right like mm-hmm. if i like if my brother who is like one of those like serious bartenders goes to a bartending conference he will learn some cool new stuff and be exposed to some like hot new brands and he might enter a competition or two i understand what's going to happen there if i go to a horse riding conference <laughs> i won't i can't ride a horse if <laughs> you go to a pop culture conference what's gonna happen at it what do you talk about so, okay, I'll take it. Um, so basically, <laughs> it's really it's really nerve wracking if you're a speaker because you have a, like a finite amount of time to kind of like talk about like if it's a paper or just a presentation, you kind of slap together. And yeah, it's a it's like it's mm-hmm. the fun thing about like college for me was learning that like I could like take my love for movies and television and like write like these over analytical papers about it and like yeah. bridge them with like theory and like what's going on in the real world and make them like kind of like make sense or give them like this meaning that like these stuffy academics will approve of so basically right, a pop culture exactly. conference, <laughs> yeah so basically a pop culture conference is like literally like anything about culture music television film and like anything like anything kind of like in a specific kind of fandom or niche or something and then you kind of like and then there's maybe it's maybe a day or two of kind of people presenting like their particular focus of topics like mm. um people do you know vampires like i can't like there's so much mm. i can't really think about anything specifically but yeah you got you kind of go but is it like so you're like tricking a bunch of nerds into talking seriously about ridiculous shit pretty much yeah 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 like i did mine on um the witch and how thomason was like an inversion of the final girl trope mm-hmm. in that movie so like you can do like extra nerdy shit like that and and then people are like i know yes let's engage with this topic that you pulled out of your ass yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> it was super God, fun though um it's just like a regular literature conference but you get movies. to do whatever as your text and in this case it was like slashers got it yeah okay yeah i see what's happening now <laughs> okay. okay well i my calling and i should stop <laughs> writing these dumb movies and just go write about other people's dumb movies <laughs> I want to do both. 
Um, so for our icebreaker, um, what would make you shit in the street? Oh my god! <laughs> you can't say somebody else's prescription drugs because that already happens in the movie. Yes, if you oh. haven't watched it, you need to go watch it. Um, uh, be, uh, being drunk—that's about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nice. When I think about the sheer number of times I peed in Tompkins Square Park, <laughs> that's just peeing, but like it happened a lot because it was halfway between the train I needed to get home to Brooklyn and Alphabet City where all my friends lived in their little, you know, pits. So it was like halfway to the train you realized I'm not going to make it to the train ride home. I'll just go into this dark park full of danger. <laughs> And pee behind a tree where everyone can see me from the opposite direction. <laughs> <very> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, make me shit in the street. Um, oh, is milk? Are you guys dairy. picturing Maya Rudolph and bridesmaids like, just walking <laughs> into the street and, and melting? That's. I think that's exactly what I would look like. Yeah. That's already what I look like, so it's fine. You do kind um, of actually. Yeah. yeah. Good call. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't your mom say that once? Yes. She did. Yeah. She saw a picture um, of her, like, Saturday Night Live era when she was, like, dressed like Beyonce for that one sketch. <laughs> She's like, that was she like did, Mary. She, she did a good Beyonce. She did. She did. Um, yeah. Well, my answer, I, I think I snuck it in there. No one heard me. Is uh, dairy. <laughs> Do I still eat it and drink it? Yes. That is the realest answer. I love that so much. I have a terrible reaction to dairy, so I haven't had any mm-hmm. in probably since I was five or six years old. Not actively, so. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. It's really bad. It's, it's not a, It's not. It's not even intolerance. It's some kind of a, a bad allergy, so. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Skim milk will just rocket through me. <laughs> <laughs> and into the street. I could, I could not drive a car and just drink skim milk and get everywhere just as quickly. Oh my just gosh. Just tell me where I need to go. <laughs> it's very cartoon. It's like when Bugs Bunny is strapped to a rocket ship in my head. Yeah, but like a rocket ship, yeah. Yeah, a rocket ship. Yes. I think, so I have this, what would make me shit in the street. By the way, this happens in the movie. That's why I, I asked her, like, she has to get out of the bus and, like, shit, which sucks. And I felt for her so much yeah. in that moment. Um, but I have noticed that whenever I get, I have, like, a strong emotional reaction, particularly, like, fear or revulsion, I have to go shit, like, right away. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have noticed right? that about you, yeah. We actually talk about it when you're not around. It's That's weird. <laughs> like, one time one time when I was living in grad school, we had, like, this shitty basement apartment, and someone knocked on my window, and I was like, oh, my God. I was so scared. I just got out of the shower. And so, like, immediately I went to the bathroom. I mean, I made it to the bathroom, but that would make <laughs> yeah, me shit like, in the street. Immediately, no, not, right. not as a euphemism went to the bathroom. Right. Like, you I immediately ran to made the bathroom. <laughs> The physical location um, of the bathroom. And then what has been happening lately is like pictures of my ex will show up on my feed and I'll be like, I'm going to go shit. Like it just <laughs> pushes it. I don't know what it is. It's a nervous thing, but that would like, if he knocked on my window, I would shit in the street. You want to talk about the movie? <laughs> well, because well, we have to talk about bodily fluids. Okay. So 
It's part We've of already life. talked about the fact that there is a street diarrhea situation. Yes. <laughs> we have talked about that. <laughs> Which I guess is one of my worst fears. So that's that's why right? I, when I travel, I, I like, you know, I, I'm an, uh, I just, yeah, drink. Sir, yeah, like I said, I don't like being drunk because I don't like <laughs> how loose my faculties become uh, mentally and physically. <laughs> so... There's that, and there's just a lot of stuff when I when when I when I go travel. I make sure that like that doesn't happen because I think what happens to Lizzie is probably one of my worst fears. So, yeah, yeah. I was texting Mary Kay as I watched. She watched it before I did, so I was texting her as I watched, and that's something she had said to me, and I corroborated as we were texting that like the real nightmare is like bus diarrhea. <laughs> um, but you know. And the window because, uh, won't open, and I just to... remember being like, Whoa, you poor thing. Um, <laughs> because of, in addition to, etc., is this movie scary? I have a confession to make, and it's also just a brag. <laughs> so um, those of you guys who have been listening for a while know that I used to be scared of horror movies. And that has taken a turn. <laughs> A, I've got a pretty iron stomach. Like, I'm not someone who, like, can't watch gross things happening. Like, if, you know, most people, if someone's barfing in the room, like, they're going to gag. Not me. I got this. I'm fine. So, like, I've reached a point now where, like, I get excited about movies being especially gross. Like, I was excited to watch Hereditary because everyone said it was going to mess me up for months. And I was like, yeah, bitch, do it. (laughs) Um... So what I've was it you real said weird. a while back? Bear witness, you weak bitch. No, that was Wasn't about that... Uh, Tales from the Hood. That was Tales oh, from yeah, the Hood. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a different Which was context, actually a great d- very quote, different though. kind of horrifying. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So I've gotten a little greedy for the, the fear. But also, my threshold has gotten really high. And now it's like, you can't scare me, you dummies. Um, <laughs> but while watching this, I gave myself the first full act to just like sit back and see how it was going. And at the exact moment of the hand hobbling, I texted Mary Kay every single twist that was going to happen in the rest of the movie. It was like, oh, so it's either going this direction or this direction, or maybe both, and then this and this, right? And I felt vindicated. I, I think felt it's also really because smart. you write drama so you can kind of see those things coming. I, you know? I definitely felt like the fact that I've been writing so much lately for those, I mean, you guys who've been listening have heard some degree of this. Like I am living in my parents' house in Arizona so that I can take some writing classes and like start my life over basically. The fact that I'm writing all the time definitely means that at every moment I was kind of like, well, what's the, what would be the most like useful reason this could happen? Like what, why would someone do this and what version of that mm-hmm. creates the most opportunity for, for conflict and for complication. So at every point, like the turn that is made is the one that allows for things to get a little bit weirder and then opens up yeah. more doors like that. They've, I, uh, while we're talking about like predictability, it definitely took, it definitely like twisted in a in a way that I wasn't expecting it to because I thought it was going to be like a contagion thing, like I knew mm-hmm. that uh, Lizzie and Charlotte were going to be in it 
together. Well, I thought in the beginning. And then that guy throws up, the one they had been watching. Um, and I remember being like, oh, so it's going to be some kind of like plague type thing. And it's going to be um, a drama, like an interpersonal drama too. And they're going to be competing. And then it just didn't go that way at all. And I've, I do feel like though being dosed by your significant other is a very real fear. Like that is scary to me. Okay, when you say real fear and that is scary to me, those are different ideas to me. Do you mean that you are sincerely concerned about significant others dosing you or that mm-hmm. the idea of it is actually scary to you? I don't have a significant other, so that's not a thing. But that is a very scary uh, idea. Idea, Yeah. Um, okay. I was Especially like, because do- it's someone that you trust. Um, yeah. I have been dosed by strangers before. And I'm fine. Mm. Everything is fine. Like, I felt my vision tunneling and was like, gotta get home. Kind of like your rocket shit type thing. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, gotta get home. Um, Made it home and everything was fine. Um, But for that to happen with someone that you trust or are learning to trust, Mm -hmm. and then for them to be like, but it's for your own good. You don't know me. You don't know it's for my own good. Like, mm-hmm. leave me the fuck alone. I make my own decisions. I'm a grown-ass woman. Obviously, I'm doing yeah. great. I'm sorry I'm living the life that you had to abandon. Like, I'm not sure that if I was Lizzie, I would go for it. Like, I don't think that I could get past someone tricking me into cutting off my own arm, even if it was for my own good. I don't Let's know that I could do that. body horror okay. situation. Well, Ashley, did you think it was scary? Um, I guess so. I guess two things. So I, like, I think, yeah, I, it goes without saying that scary is subjective, but it's also, I feel like it, I I will say almost yes for every horror movie, because there's always the intent to scare and and a myriad, in a a myriad of different ways, because it's the, the intention of like kind of thinking about these scenarios possibly happening to people is, is scary. And Mm -hmm. and the fact that they actually Mm -hmm. do probably most likely it's interesting because also three maybe this another add-on when i was watching with my friends who are like trained musicians and went to school and everything like that they're just like dude that is exactly how it happens sans the rape but the abuse and the intensity of your instructors are that is spot on so i thought that was interesting and then they kind of talked about it from that perspective about like there's a kind of a I don't know if it's necessarily traumatic or or, or, ter- or um, traumatic for them necessarily, but they did talk about how, yeah, it can be kind of like damaging and kind of like when they saw mm-hmm. their peers kind of just like, you know, sp- yeah, spiral mm-hmm. into this codependency or this kind of need to be perfect at what they were doing because um, of how they were being kind of uh, tutored into it. Um, damn, I forgot my other point, but I'll come to it. But yeah, I mean, that's to answer your question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was definitely a lot about it that I thought was scary. I was deeply upset by the entire, like the the bus sequence and her being sick. Yeah. Like all of that is, was horrifying to me. Was scared about what would happen when they, once they were both back at, back off Mm -hmm. at the, at the school because Charlotte was captive. Lizzie seemed to be Mm re-brainwashed. I was concerned about like, well, how does, how does this resolve? And then it resolved exactly the way I expected, and I was like, "I'm the smartest." But um, <laughs> right. um, my here's here's my really big question about that, though. 
those motherfuckers styled Charlotte's hair. Did they not notice it was a wig? I know. I noticed uh, yeah, that too. I just noticed that with, but the last time I watched it. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> you can't make that a reveal. Like, just make that a reveal much earlier in the movie. Like, make yeah. it, like, not that big a thing. Make it something that, like, we see her putting the wig on before she goes. Yeah, like, when they wake the, up together. The competition. Something, yeah. So it's, like, accepted, I don't know anybody like, who oh, sleeps like, in a wig. <laughs> Like, well, yeah, but we're all just going to ignore, like, we're going to collectively, like, politely ignore, like, never ask about, like, hey, why not just rock your pixie cut, sweetheart? Like, you look cute. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, she doesn't at the end of the movie, but that's not, that's kind of the point. Like, that's right. what we're going for there. Right. Um, but, like, yeah, we're just never going to acknowledge it. I, I would have bought that, except, and then when she takes it off at the end, we realize, like, oh, she's not just, like, wearing short hair, but also a wig because she knows people like it. Her hair is short because it had to be buzzed off so they could put mm-hmm. electrodes on her skull directly. That's how recent all of this reprogramming was. Oh, mm-hmm. I see. Like, it, I was just like, I'm, it really took me out for a second. Another that scary thing. A dude thing. like her teacher would not have been like, wait, what? Yeah. Let me, you know, tried to Another... curl her hair and the wig came off. Again. <laughs> Another scary thing that I just remembered is after her mom dies and, like, her aunties or whatever are outside her room being like, well, I guess she's going to go play the cello again. I mean, what else does she know how to do? Like, mm. what the... Mm, that doesn't seem like very productive gossip about... I didn't think those people knew her. Or not oh. really. I thought those were, like, nurse... Ma- I thought that one of them was a nurse and one of them was, like, a different patient's um, family member. But, like, if this is a hospice situation then these, these people would see each other all the time for a long time. Interesting. Okay. But not necessarily people. It didn't sound like the conversation of people who knew her well. Yeah, I thought maybe a neighbor. And also, if she had aunties, why was she? Why did she have to be there taking care of her? Yeah. Because it, you have to have the whole family. I mean, anyway. I hear I hear your point, but I just it seems like everybody takes shifts when you have to take care you of her. You should. But you should. should. You should, yes. yeah. Well, but my thinking was that because she was so young, for it to be such a big deal that she had to go home, be there all the time. Right. Like, abandon something that serious completely to go home and be there all the time. My impression was that she didn't have anybody. Yeah. That, make, that does make more sense. Yeah. Um, regardless, though, that would not be fun to hear after your mother just died. Oh, God, no. Or at all. But No. Especially if you've had the time and space to reach a point where you look back on all that training and all that experience as... A negative thing and that's right. the only thing you've got that's right. the only thing you know how to do right. that was that was the scariest thing for me so reasons this is scary one of the things is is body horror and we're just gonna Definitely. have to keep doubling back to it because it crops up so constantly throughout the film um the thing that was scariest for me was the idea of the dream unfulfilled as mm. i just said like i'm trying to start my whole life over so i like need to believe right now that <sighs> 32 is not too old for like taking big steps and like no being brave and like living your life right well that's the thing like i i need to believe that yeah i just need to say real quick tony morrison published her first novel in her 40s yeah right also and i literally i think when did we do horror noir jesus christ yeah this okay i was like 35 and um 
I got a stable job at the university I've always wanted to work at, but then we got the money to do horror noir. That was my leap. So yeah. I'm telling you. It. Right. <laughs> well, there's two things. One, I try to remind myself when I see such, when I like think of things like that, like Sam Jackson not starting to really work re- regularly as an actor until he was in his 40s, Tony Morrison, whatever. What the fuck were they doing for the previous 10 or 20 years, though? Huh. They weren't sitting on their hands. No. They weren't not writing or not acting. Right. They like... They were hustling. Yeah. So I try to remind myself, like, stay hustling so that, like, when the time comes, you are there and you're ready and you're doing it. That's what they say about um, every artist, right? You have, like, a 10-year, like, gestation period. Like, Van Gogh mm-hmm. did that, too, where you just kind of fall off the map for a little while. And then later, all of them are like, uh, I'm so glad nobody saw what I was doing then <laughs> because it's so <laughs> much better now. And I'm glad that I didn't <laughs> shoot my show or, like, I didn't you know, get known for the stuff right. that I'm less proud of, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. So I try to remind myself to stay hustling. And also um, the context of this is really different. If what I want to do is write stories, um, I, I can continue doing that. Like my body is not going to betray me. Right. Yeah. I hope for some time. Like the odds that I can continue to type or write and think for, you know, like they're, they're pretty good. For the sustainable future. But things like, like classical music, things like ballet, th- like there are so many fields where you can be extraordinary. Injured once. But only for, done. Only for a very yeah. little while. Because yeah. doing the act of doing the thing you love, while, you, while your craft may improve every day that you practice, you are actively destroying the instrument mm-hmm. as you practice. Like your hands. Mm-hmm. That is incredibly difficult to do, and you are, you are more likely than someone who doesn't use their hands as intensely to, to like harm yourself over yeah. time. Um, I want to jump in right quick. Also, when they're playing the cello together at the end, first of all, horrifically beautiful image, love it, and mm. I was so pissed that they weren't playing the cello music. They had like some other. Um, non-diegetic music playing instead of us hearing them play perfectly. That pissed me off. And also, I would totally pay to see that before I'd pay to see, like, a regular cello thing. So, like, yeah, dreams unfulfilled, (laughs) but also, like, they're doing it for themselves now, you know? Yeah. And it's, like, a spectacle and, yeah. But for the the duration of the film, right, the fear is that, like, They've each been deprived right. of the ability to do like the thing that mattered the most to them. Um, also, for most of the movie, it really bugged me that they were freaking out. I was like, she lost her bow arm. That can't be much more. That that can't be the most serious way this could have gone. Like, surely, in in the world of like, the, there's no way she can still operate a bow. With her entire arm, just not her hand? Is, are we, what? And then at the end, I was like, oh, because one of them had to have each hand. Mm-hmm. I see what we did there. But I was like, man, it would have raised the stakes a little bit. Just a tiny bit, but just enough. If Lizzie had lost her left hand. So that she couldn't manipulate the, the strings. It would just be a little yeah. bit more challenging, like a little bit easier to buy that like, yeah, your career is completely over. I know that your bow hand is not unimportant, guys. Don't worry. I'm not like completely ignorant. But just that 
of the two, one has to be a lot more dexterous. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, why, why are they making such a huge deal out of this? Is there, is it not even worth trying? And then at the end, I was like, all you have to do is flip that for the payoff to work better. <laughs> okay, whatever. No one asked me. So my 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 uh, grandmother's husband used to say whenever something dumb happened, well, nobody asked us. Yeah, I thought, so for me, I think um, it's interesting because the first time I saw it, um, I got the hookup. So I got to go see a pre-screening of this in New York. Nice. Um so I, I literally had no idea what to expect. I knew it played at Fantastic Fest the previous fall, and I had just seen the pictures of um, Allison and um, Logan in a photo. And of course, because if a black girl's in horror, I, it's it, it's on my radar. So mm-hmm. um, and so someone was like, I can't say I don't know, I don't know if I necessarily can or cannot say who, but someone who I know who like is who knows someone who works for. Basically, Netflix. Basically, like they, they hooked me up. So I went. So I went. In compl- <laughs> so I went in completely blind, and um, I did. I had no idea what to expect at all. Um, so the thing for me, and it's, and I think just g- in general with me and like a bunch of like rodents or bugs kind of congregated together on screen or even in real life, I, I can't. My my eyes just avert from it. I hate it. It's disgusting. It's gross. I, I mm-hmm. it's so that for me, and also just kind of, and also when it when they when they're like crawling on you or in your vicinity mm-hmm. so you see all of these mm-hmm. bugs literally crawling on her and like when I, when I saw it for the first time mm-hmm. I looked away I've seen this movie maybe four mm-hmm. times since then and I still look I can't that's just gross I just ugh, no I can't yeah they have too many knees bugs have like too many they can go in any direction it's Mm-mm. And then when they're working together when they're coming out of your body yeah no. Mm-mm. That's the big thing is the inner out of the it is the in the body thing mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. I'm not I'm not a woman who's especially we've talked about this before on the show. I'm not especially squeamish about bugs. My thing is usually insects of a large size that I don't it doesn't matter what the insect is or how harmless it is. If it's much too big, I just can't. Yeah, and these were all different bugs too. Like, do I understand that those big hairy tarantulas people keep as pets are harmless? Yeah. <laughs> but you should keep it the fuck away from me. Yeah. It's very large. It's very gross. Please stop. I am not a fan of quantity any more than anyone else. The the sheer volume of what exits her body yeah. when she thinks she has ripped open her arm is unacceptable to me. The severed limb is <laughs> okay. much less upsetting to me than, than 4,000 bugs coming out of my forearm. They're both pretty upsetting. Yeah, I have a terrible phobia of that. Like whenever I think... It's, I don't know, I hate to think that I'm a hypochondriac because there have been points in my life where I'm like eating a lot and I'm just like, wait a minute, do I have a tapeworm and I'll take an herb for it to like get rid of anything that's inside of me that may be festering because <laughs> I don't want exactly what what happened to Lizzie to happen to me. So yeah, I, mm-hmm, I've done mm-hmm. stuff like that and been like really paranoid. So, so my dog had tapeworm when I adopted him and... Nope. Nope, new thing. Let's talk about. Say, it. I don't want to hear it. I was I was gonna say something, and I was like, it's it's like graphic enough that I don't want to say oh, it. Boy. I'm not. That's terrible. That if I don't want to say it, that's bad. Let's, All that uh, let's, matters yeah. is that he's fine now. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> We're now going to interrupt ourselves for just a second to tell you about something cool, real quick. What we wanted to talk to you about today was this other podcast, and it comes from. 
Book Riot, which you guys may have heard me plug shamelessly. I write for them and love them. This podcast is called Red or Dead, and it is a bi-weekly mystery fiction podcast dedicated to the worlds of mystery and thriller literature. The hosts are mystery megathan Rincey and librarian Katie, and in each episode they cover a broad and diverse range of writers and subgenres, and they focus less on the mainstream names that you already know and love. They talk about everything from suspense to thrillers to the podcasting world's favorite mm. true crime. Da, da, da. We love real killers. I do kind of wish that I didn't and need to know everything so that I can avoid that shit. Anyway, mm-hmm. you were saying. <laughs> so get your mystery and thriller related news and of course recommendations for books new and old that you will want to hide in your freezer. Uh, you can find Red or Dead on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher of choice. And while you're there, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe them and us. Yes. If you do both, you Woo-doo-doo-doo. get extra credit. Woo. Extra credit. What about Play Through the Pain? That was, I just feel like that was kind of like kind of one of those broader issues about like 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 you said earlier mary about like the idea of um people who are using their bodies but they're destroying it at the same time but because they're practicing so much um i think about that with just like dancers athletes Mm -hmm. i know too especially star athletes i don't know like just i'm just i don't know why this example is just in my brain right now but like alan iverson when he played for the sixers here in philly and like he's the littlest guy he's like the star person he brought us all the way to the finals and it was kind of just like but he was like he was killing himself (laughs) in order to like achieve this um achieve this like milestone in athleticism and basketball and the nba and all that and all that nonsense so yeah i i feel like it's the same way with them because like i guess that's kind of a mantra they had to kind of adjust to in order to live up to be be these kind of world-renowned celloists i suppose i don't know Athletes are encouraged to play through these physical situations that are horribly detrimental. Artists are encouraged to do either or both, depending yeah. on your medium. But you use your trauma, your emotional pain, mm-hmm. your suffering as fuel. Use it. Not just play through it, but use it to fuel you. Um, and that is not actually healthy. Like, can the arts help you process? Can it be therapeutic to create? Yes. Is that how you, like, is that what, should they be used for that? Should it just be like a, like, no, 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 no. We've all read a piece that someone was clearly using to process that was not work yet. It was their inner work. In general, you don't have to suffer to be an artist or a great artist. No, right. That's a mythology we've built. Well, they are definitely inflicting that on both of them in this school. And then very, yeah, very literally, narratively, None of this had to happen for someone to become a successful cello player. Um, this was just horrifying. I, yeah, and then I also kind of felt like it was a little bit, I don't want to say it was overdone, but it was like very obvious, I think. Um, which is not to say like this doesn't happen or shouldn't happen on screen. It's just like you don't have to rape women to show their characters being built. Mm-hmm. We talked about this in Deliverance that yeah that like the the kind of complications around like rape being the worst thing that can happen to you 
and that for men we keep seeing somehow we're able to tell the story over and over of men surviving trauma and overcoming without them being raped and when they finally were on screen people tried to not let it happen like it was considered so beyond the pale i feel like this movie does something different though because um i think ashley you said what i can't get the words in the right order the it's like a rape revenge film Mm-hmm. But she, Charlotte goes back to say, like, she gets out, but then she goes back to save Lizzie. But she only kind of does, which makes it even more fucked up because you can't consent without all of the information. So it was sort of sexual abuse as well. I mean, not mm-hmm. abuse, but misleading, which I feel like is, it's like saying emotional abuse is not abuse. Like, it, it's still mistreatment. Um, for your own good type of thing. I don't like Charlotte. Yeah. I like Lizzie more. And I feel like Charlotte is probably doing what she can, what she knows how to do, which is like manipulate someone sexually to get them to do what they want, even though like ultimately her goal is like to save her. But she's using like this really manipulative w- tool which is not cool to me like she does get her but you know what I'm trying to say like it just doesn't feel wholesome to me like it so this wasn't my idea this was um, a friend of mine on Twitter she had mentioned it because I because it's funny because I feel like for me I'm so conditioned seeing women face sexual violence and that as a tool for revenge and autonomy that sometimes I just I just kind of like don't even like think about like why is that still a thing that we're constantly doing even in 2019 Mm -hmm. like why is that still um the thing and I think either she or me or myself I was kind of thinking about it I'm just like because another great example is like John Wick he goes on this huge revenge thing because a puppy died you know but like why can't a woman but it's then I thought about like the idea of like um anyone is gonna murder the shit out of people it's a woman who got her dog yeah and then but then I think about gender roles is it is it much more dynamic because he's a dude and a puppy died and he's a dude and that's more feminine or that's like or that's a sensitive thing and guys aren't sensitive or feminine like i'm thinking about like all of these like all of the, all of the things we've been force fed to like thinking black and white about about like men and women and sensitive and being stoic and like and being emotionally closed off and all this kind of stuff i'm like does it work because he's a dude like why couldn't a woman why couldn't that be the same kind of thing like i know that this is kind of apples and oranges but i'm also thinking about like what what, what drives a woman to revenge that doesn't have to do anything with you know being sexually violated yeah. Right. Well, and that's what I was hoping for when I realized, like, oh, their goal is going to be turned on its head every 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Cool. And I thought, okay, well, the best way to turn this on its head is for it to have nothing to do with sex. Like, if you're going to set us up for this to be pulpy and grindhousey, but with women, and, like, then just there are plenty of ways to be traumatized. Just give us one of those. <laughs> Like, what if he's just been cutting off each of their toes every time they mess up? And now they have to wear special weird shoes to balance. So, like, when they can't, when they say they can't do anything else, there's literally a bunch of stuff they physically can't do because he's been chopping off their toes. Like, there's plenty of things he could have been doing that were not 
using a rape pommel horse thing to attack them. Slash walking around naked. I was just like, oh, oh, this is a weird way of doing this ritual. Um, <laughs> he just like rematerialized totally naked. I was like, oh, did he just like, it was like he just stepped off camera. Like part of their ritual is that he just stands over by the bar for a second and just strips. And I was like, wait a minute, that seems weird. <laughs> that doesn't seem very ceremonial. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I was, I was disappointed. I felt like it was just, it, it's a weird thing to say about this movie in general. I felt like there was just a lack of imagination there. That with that one this part, is, yeah, that's that's that, yeah, that's. I guess it's. I don't know if it's necessarily complicated, but yeah, I mean, it it does actually happen. But at the same time, you could it could it, we could have done something a little bit more creative. I uh, yeah, and oh goodness gracious, um, I don't know. This is. I once I realized like it's going to be twisty. It's going to be turny. I am prepared to be surprised. I was like, oh, this is the least surprising thing you could have. Yeah, I, I definitely still loved it, but I, I, I think, I don't know, I, this is probably a note for, or even a mental note that's already stewing in another filmmaker's brain right now where they're going to make a movie similar to this or complementary to it, and they're just going to do something totally, completely something we've never seen before. Yeah. I did think it was cool that we had movements, like um, the four movements of the film, and we also had the rewinding so we saw it for we saw like more information than we did the first time I thought that was a really interesting storytelling device because normally that would frustrate me because it's like false suspense but I think in this case it's more of a manipulating your perspective because you see it first from I think mostly Lizzie's point of view even though you think you're seeing it from Charlotte's Mm. which I think is cool and then we go to Charlotte and then we go, and then we stay with, with Charlotte, I think, for the third movement. And then we go to both of them almost in the duet part. The way that it is broken down for us and the way that I interpreted it were different. Like I felt like it was a pretty solid three-act structure in which in one act, Charlotte was the protagonist. And one act, in act two, Lizzie is the protagonist. Then in Act 3, we have dual protagonists. Mm-hmm. Then rewatching and looking at how the time breakdowns for the movements as they're spelled out. So there's the mission, which is the first 20 minutes of the movie, roughly. Detour, which is the next 20, 25 minutes of the movie. Then Home, which is mm, 50 minutes of the movie? 40, 50? And then the last 10 minutes are duet. Um, and I thought, oh, okay, well, then the, like, they're, they're seeing this and their own storytelling really differently than I experienced it. And also, if you'd asked me, I would have said, like, oh, this breaks down pretty neatly, like 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, I swear. And yeah, but that third part is just much more fast-paced, it seems like. Yeah. Third mm-hmm. movement. Um, it looks like we all three interpreted the movements a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Right? Because um, it looks yes. like, Ashley, you wrote down, um, it's almost like the story, like the actual storyteller's motivations that divide them, like yeah. that organize the parts. Yeah, like off the, off the top of my head, I thought like originally we're kind of like seeing everything from kind of Charlotte's perspective and getting her um, backstory. And yeah. then like 
detour is like what we what we know once they rewind is that like that's kind of her like you know it's like i i, I always like kind of like look at especially if people have been like commending allison williams for like the facial expressions she makes because there's uh, also mm-hmm. there's a lot of similarities to get out with this which yeah. is why i was like like you know rubbing my hands like an evil um <laughs> a villain in a movie before this came out because I wanted to see how people would react to her character not really knowing what's happening in the movie but they're just going off of maybe clips or synopses or a trailer Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so just kind of seeing uh, her so kind of seeing how she kind of manipulates her plan and then I feel like home like to me was kind of just seeing the, the interworkings of what the academy is and what it does um, and how it kind of creates that, like, I don't know, we kind of, th- we kind of learn how we kind of see it as a place of terror, which kind of falls into what happens with duet, which is Charlotte and mm-hmm. Lizzie kind of working together and also the literal duet at the end. As I'm looking at it, when I was seeing it as three acts, I was seeing basically like a 40 minute, a 40 minute and a 10 minute. Well, whatever works. And it seems to work. Well, as I'm, yeah. as I'm, as I'm looking at it, I'm realizing because the mission and the detour are, are both that like initial part where Charlotte where we're like seeing the the story or we think we're seeing it through Charlotte's eyes Mm -hmm. and then home is everything that happens at the academy and in Minneapolis and yeah yeah. I it just came to me that the part that is called duet is not the part in which they play a duet they play one piece together which is like I mean physically that's what they do um in the beginning is when they play a duet and it's almost, and I love that piece that they play. I don't even know what it is, but I was watching it and the camera work with that is beautiful. Um, Mm -hmm. But I did have a question about the characters. Sure. Do you like them? I didn't really think about it. Charlotte and Lizzie or everyone? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Charlotte and Lizzie. They, everybody else sucks. Who else is there? Yeah. Everyone else is like, everyone else is like a cardboard cutout. Right. And, and, and completely terrible. Um, yeah. Yeah. No redeeming There's qualities with them. I I like them. I've okay. Been, I've been biting my tongue about something. Um, cause this don't is, do that. No, this is going to sound really fucked up. Maybe. I don't know if it's going to sound fucked up or like, I'm, and I'm prefacing this by kind of saying this, I'm just thinking... About, I'm super excited about I, I'm, this. This is this is just a, be great. <laughs> this is just a thought, especially because they kind of bring up because um, somebody did write down kind of like how Charlotte like has has never really had an experience, and this doesn't have anything to do. This is hard to say, but I'm gonna say it. So basically, I feel like these girls are so isolated. Both of them were very isolated, and um, and growing up, particularly with. Uh, going into this intense training in this very isolated space and they don't necessarily it does it doesn't appear that they are kind of growing up as kind of like your regular kid who gets to go to school and extracurricular activities live home with the parents who have that who have that kind of like shelter of hopefully that shelter of trust that's what that's what your parents are supposed to provide or, or guardian and i kind of feel like is these are so we don't necessarily know if Charlotte is queer. She's clearly open to it. But if Lizzie is coded as queer, does it have, oh, this is going to sound fucked up. But I'm like, does it have anything to do with the fact that she's been tortured and raped? Like, I'm just, and I'm just, I'm just kind of like, I'm just, because 
I'm just kind of yeah, thinking no, about I the bigger picture. Yeah, I thought that picture. too. Yeah, I thought that like it was maybe implying that you become an orientation based on whomever abused you in the film yeah because i'm not trying to indict that i'm not trying to make a broad sweeping uh statement about queerness or um queer people Mm -hmm. like i'm not doing that at all but with the contained in this like genie of a bottle type of a story i'm kind of like yeah is is this what the story is saying Mm -hmm. is this what the story is suggesting is this what we're supposed to take away here i honestly did not i honestly did not assume that at all in fact my brain kind of went quickly to like oh well the point of the story is to go pulpy and grindhouse but in a way that we haven't in a way that's not historically done Mm -hmm. so we're gonna get women and we're gonna get women of color and we're gonna get queer women Mm -hmm. and that's 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 all just the inversion is that instead of straight white dudes kicking in doors and chopping off limbs with chainsaws <laughs> right. cool this is this is what this looks like now that was kind of the leap that was the leap i made um but here's the thing right? also because when charlotte says she's never been with anyone that's a that's like a really um like when i found out that she had been abused i didn't think she was lying she's not lying no, I didn't think that either. But I think this yeah. goes back to the point of like if if it wasn't sexual abuse that they were experiencing, we wouldn't even have this question. Like if it was some other sort yeah. of trauma, then we wouldn't even be like are you trying to say that people become queer? Because that is not what that's not No. no. <laughs> that's not what happens. <laughs> Because I'm only proposing this point because it just feels like their lives are so are not theirs. Because especially right. because mm. because uh, Charlotte brings up the point is just like when when she's talking to um her on the road in China, she's just like you know you're just disposable to these people. They don't give mm-hmm. a fuck about you. And I'm just like and that and again it feels like slavery. And you know the kind of idea of mm-hmm. just like these these women and these um girls just being nothing but like these chattel for 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 their for their own for for anton and paloma's prestige like they don't like give a crap they just they they want to look good and they want to look like these i don't know Mm. mini mini gods i don't know like i'm just i I, that's why i kind of felt like that i'm just like how i'm just and and but maybe her queerness has always been there and like maybe this is her and especially how she's so kind of assertive with charlotte maybe that is really her just taking the taking control that she's never really felt like she's had and again i'm just these are ideas that are just kind of I'm just kind of yeah. throwing out there it was notable to me that she wears um a choker mm. in those scenes mm. interesting color so in uh so yeah lizzie wears a choker in the scenes set in shanghai and then once they wake up in the morning and are move and are like breaking out on their own she's not wearing it anymore hmm interesting yes it is interesting that's a that was a nice touch from that costume mm-hmm. designer um mm-hmm. oh man i had another thing to say about them being together mm-hmm. oh yes so about them being manipulated by anton and paloma for their prestige um it's it's doubly fucked up that the girls have been conditioned to believe that it's actually their own prestige that they're working toward. Um, 
And that's what I was trying to say earlier when it's, it felt very Stockholm syndrome to me that Charlotte and Lizzie ended up together at the end after Charlotte manipulated Lizzie. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Does that make any sense? Maybe yes. I'm just overthinking it. I don't know. No. No, I, I definitely, I struggled with that a little bit, that like, this is the only way. Not only is it the only way, it is the very first way you tried. Right. To convince her <laughs> that she should leave. Like, you didn't say anything. You didn't even do anything else. You went straight to, bugs are in your skin, cut off your hand. She drugs her own drink so that she'll drink it when they're on the way down the stairs so she sees that guy throw up, right? Like, she's holding her own drink like this, and then Lizzie goes, oh, I better catch up, and takes her drink from her. She's, according to the flashback, she's not drugged yet. But why is that guy throwing up, and why are they talking about a sickness? Because he's actually, yeah. because all that actually happened, I thought. Yeah, I thought that was kind of like a random incident that happened, and she used that to manipulate her when she was under hallucinations. Oh, okay. As far as we can tell from the flashback, she first drugs her the next morning. Right, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I thought she was just kind of taking advantage of, of that as like, well, this is the hallucination I can plant. But mm-hmm. also, what ibuprofen pills are that large? I mean... That's what I was wondering. I, I, she wasn't even looking at what she was taking. No. <sighs> Very trusting. If I'm sleeping with you once, I'm not taking anything you're giving me unless it says <laughs> Advil or Aleve on it, the pill. Like, I'm not doing that. Show me the bottle. Yeah. Also, I think that um, maybe this is not, like, the most worldly or experienced human being. There you go. Mm. That, too. She has been, for all of the horror she has been through, she has also been deeply sheltered from a bunch of the stuff that makes you able to make decisions. Like, don't take a drug from a stranger. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not, not like, a a technical um, person as far as films and stuff. I try my best when I I write about it. But, like, I did really, I did notice... um, the camera work when they were uh really when they're showing the flashback of charlotte in the room with anton when she was younger um it's it, what, what i what i found really interesting was the fact that like they use um s- specific camera techniques to kind of like you you are really inside of charlotte's head because mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of things they do with the manipulation of the camera what you're seeing visually it's kind of just like you're it's the 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 warped reality that you kind of see because she doesn't want to imagine that this that this that Anton is really sexually abusing her so the camera does that that thing where it blurs and you're kind of like and Charlotte is and obviously in, in the in the um in the images or what I what I thought of as Charlotte kind of um imagining herself outside of her body when she's running when you see kind of this kind of dreamlike um sequence where where she's where she's where a young charlotte is running outside that's kind of her like if mm-hmm. i just if i imagine this i won't be in the reality right. of what's actually happening to me so i thought that was right. kind of neat mm. i love my favorite shot in the movie was the shot of her heels under the dress mm. with her ankles chained i was like ah it's i mean i think it really encapsulates the whole thing right and that it is beautiful and deeply horrifying and at least half of the information about what's actually happening is hidden from you Mm -hmm. and that saw like rape apparatus that they've got in the room too i i I was just like so you've just you literally designed the tool to like violate people which is just yeah also who are the other guys yeah who are they (laughs) 
Like, Anton, you know, like, this is a family business. Um, I have questions about Jeffrey and Theus. Mm-hmm. Did did you, like, apply for a job here and be like, I'm into that? <laughs> did you find this on Indeed? Like, what the fuck? I don't know. That's a good-ass like, question, though. This seems very illuminati So are they, like, like are they, like, related? Is this some kind of, like, 1%, like, insular, like, this is what we do? Oh, you like music and you can play music, too. We'll teach at this academy and let's rape girls together. I, I you know, yeah. I can only imagine. Like, Oh my God! You cello, me cello, rape, rape! Oh my God, rape! We have so much in common. The conversation. They were at a Dartmouth alumni mixer, and that's how the conversation (laughs) went. Yeah, exactly. They're probably they probably say more sophisticated than we would, but we're we're making it plain when they would make it all flowery, so they don't have to like you know live with the fact of what they're what they're actually doing is wrong. We're just not doing it with a a mid Atlantic. He's not a random pervert. Right. Mm-hmm. He's, he's just a pervert. Right. Yeah. Just a, he's a, dis, I'm he's a, a very pervert selective pervert. Yeah. He's a, he's, a, he's a pervert with standards. Oh and his only standard is cello. And both of those women are exceptionally beautiful as well. Jesus. Yes. No kidding. So let's not pretend like that's not a factor. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I mean, maybe in the casting for sure. I mean, yeah, but also, I don't know. Men are gross. Yeah. This man is very gross. Yeah. Extra special, weird, gross, bad. Yeah. He made a scary rape chair and attacks children. Just bad. That's the He, as a character, just bad. There's nothing else there. Mm-mm. He's, a, fur- he's a piece on. of furniture. Here's my closing question. If you were attacking... Scary cello rapist man. What song would play Ooh. during your dis- during your disembowelment? Oh, okay. Not your disembowelment, but during the disembowelment you perform. This is a good question. Ooh. Actually, he doesn't really get disemboweled. He just ends up um, being delimified and de-eyeballed. I guess. So this is this is this is what came to my head. Um, first the artist, but um, then the song. So. Mm-hmm. And I'm just gonna say the full the full title of the song. Um, Fuck niggas get money, um, but I would mm-hmm. use I would use the little Kim spot of that. So mm-hmm. after after Biggs, oh, okay. it's little Kim. So yeah, I mean that w- that would be my song. I have to. It's okay, very. Um, so I think it would be when the lights go out by the Black Keys. Just the intro. Mm-hmm. Down, down, down. Mm-hmm. Don't say those black keys. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And, or the very beginning of formation with like the banjo <laughs> twang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Please don't say us Beyonce. We really can't afford <laughs> we that. We really can't afford that. <laughs> also, we love you. Yes. Also, if you're listening to this, I'm just, I could die fine. Like, I could die. I could, mm-hmm. I could go shit in the street and get run over and be fine with it if Beyonce is listening mm-hmm. to this. What are you going to say, Mary? What's your answer? <clears throat> Either the Nikki verse of Monster. Nice. Or anything, by, or anything by John Denver <laughs> to represent the inner peace I'm achieving. <laughs> it's like I'm on that country road myself. 
The country road is just paved in blood. Okay. Those are some real different, very diverse, polarized. Yeah. Makes sense. Depends on the movie. Cool. I like that. Um, That was a good closing question. Yeah, it really was. It really was. Um, Glad we liked it. So I'm going to tell you guys about what we're doing next. Bad Times at the El Royale is the movie that we're doing next. You can watch it on the HBO program that you forgot to cancel after Game of Thrones ended. (laughs) So (laughs) it'll be there for that. And Ashley, thank you so much for coming on this episode with us. It was a delight. Yes. And we're going to... We're going to link in the show notes to all of your things so that our listeners can can get to you. Yeah, thank you. I could talk for another hour, but this is fun. Good. Well, then you'll just have to come back. You will have to come back another time. Yes, please. Please. Would love to. Yay. Yay. Thank you. Okay, listeners. Don't forget. Tell your best friend or the one friend who will listen. And then subscribe so you can get this shit hot off the press. And then leave us a review to tell us how pretty we are, even though you can only hear our voices. Just trust us. We look great. Um, and we'll showered. see you next time at, at, the, at the Battle Royale, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> okay, love you. Bye. bye. <laughs>